Hello and welcome to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups. In this episode, we have a very important conversation around hope, how hope is essential to change and how it is often misunderstood, and the truth that without it, we can never experience the change we are deeply desiring in our life. So without further ado, here is episode five. All right. Well, Scott and Sarah, thank you so much for sitting down as we talk about this very important um, topic for this episode is hope. And so, Scott, why don't we just jump right in and talk about what is hope in the first place? You know, that is the very first part of Journey to Freedom, actually the very first day mm. that we addressed that question. Because what I've found over the years is in my own life and with people I work with is they have a dysfunctional definition of hope. Mm. Um, and a book that really had a profound f- impact on me in understanding hope is Henry Nouwen's book, Seeds of Hope. And as we talk about in Journey to Freedom, what Henry Nouwen says, what we call hope is really just wishes. Mm. It's what we, it's a predetermined outcome that we wish will happen. And in, what we see happen is, this, so if my definition of hope is really based on me trying to control. I want circumstances to work out the way that I want them to. That's what I'm putting my hope in. And we know the reality, and we always ask our group members this, can we control circumstances? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, and that's where I'm placing my hope, and what I'm hoping for does not occur, Mm -hmm. that leads to despair. Mm -hmm. What a definition of despair is hopelessness. Mm -hmm. So how can true hope ever lead me to be hopeless? Mm -hmm. It must be a dysfunctional definition. But now it goes on to say what is true hope is open-ended. It's not in circumstances. It's not in a predetermined outcome. It's in the promises, Mm. the promises of God. And so we ask, what are the promises of God, that he will fix everything out to be, that my cancer biopsy will come back negative, Mm. or that that I will get the job, or that she will stay with me, these type things? Um, No. Mm. You know, how many times we know things that happen, tragic things happen to very good people, Mm. um, and we can't really understand them. So he says it's in the promises that God promises that he will be with us in all these things, Mm. and even actually use these things to help us grow. And that does not diminish the tragedies that we face. But the phrase that I've come up with in my own journey is what I call intrinsic hope. Mm. It's not, an, it's not an extrinsically driven hope that's coming from some external things working out the way that I hope that they, there's that word, that yeah. I hope they will. <laughs> but it's an internal journey. And I was actually just reading again this morning in Romans where he says that uh, rejoice in your tribulations and your struggles because it leads to perseverance. Mm. Perseverance then leads us to character, mm. and character leads us to hope. Mm. There's a sequence. Tough times. I learn to stand in them. I grow my character. And then the hope is becomes an intrinsic. It's something that's within me. It's almost mm. a little bit like what you and I were sharing about this morning. Mm. I find something in me um, that I've not had before. Mm. And I find that I can stand up in whatever difficult circumstances life throws at me. And that is the reality, the inevitability that we are going to suffer and struggle. We've been talking about suffering a lot this year. Mm. I guess COVID made a lot of people talk about suffering, but it is a reality. In our society, which is almost systemic, we want to somehow think that we can control it and avoid it. Mm. 
And the reality is that we, we can't. Mm. And so hope is something that's intrinsically developed. Brene Brown, who has done a lot of work on hope, says that the center of hope is resilience. Mm. And at the center of resilience is creativity. And creativity gives a person a sense of empowerment. Mm. And she actually says that they now know that hope can be cultivated. It can be learned. And so we've come a long way in discussing what hope is. Yeah. Yeah. And Scott, when you were talking, I was thinking also that when we have open-ended hope versus circumstantial hope, if we start going down the path of circumstantial hope, like it's based on that this thing has to happen, or I've prayed enough times to God this very specific need or want, and it doesn't happen spiritually, it takes us to a place where we wonder if God is even listening. Um, Excuse me. It takes us to a place where we get into, as we always talk about, this transactional relationship with God. I'm asking, biblically speaking, God says, knock, you know, and and the door will be opened. But sometimes I think we take that very literally. Like, I'm going to knock with this very specific purpose, and I need you to open that door. That door doesn't open, but something else opens, but we totally miss the other thing. Yes. Because we're so focused on the one thing that has to happen. So I think spiritually it gets us into kind of a conundrum where if we're always hoping for this one thing and it doesn't happen or multiple things and they don't happen, then it feels like God somehow has turned uh, his or her back on us yes. and, uh, and isn't listening or doesn't care, doesn't see what we need or want. And so I don't think spiritually it leads us to a very good place, I suppose mm. is what I'm trying to say. Uh, that open-ended hope that says, God, I, this is what I'm hoping for. You know what I want in my yes. heart, but also I'm open to... Yes. Maybe you have a better solution. Creative, new yeah. possible. Maybe you have another path. Maybe I'm mm. missing something completely here mm. that you've got for me. Uh, or my life's going to go a certain way. And we do have to be sort of like uh, my counselor once said to me, like a sailboat, mm. wherever the wind blows. And I don't mean that sort of like, oh, I just do whatever I want. Sure. But in a sense, she said, you know, you have to sort of be loose mm. for God when the wind blows this direction you go this way. And when it blows that way, you go that way because that is the path that's, that's where you're supposed to be. Mm. So, You know, and I, I really believe that um, hope um, is an internal um, part of my being. Mm. Um, you know, hope, faith, and love are those three foundations that Paul talks about. But we don't do anything without hope. Mm-mm. I don't get out of bed. I don't go to the meeting. I don't call the sponsor. I don't do the work. Um, I don't read, you know, I I don't, I just, I quit showing up. Mm -hmm. And you can show up and not be there. Mm -hmm. But um, hope, I really believe, is um, there, I wish I could find this, but I've lost it. But years ago, a guy wrote a book about uh, when the Nazis put the Jewish people in Warsaw in a ghetto. They, it's called the Warsaw Ghetto. I put them in a real small radius, and they couldn't leave there. So he wrote about how they, some of them survived and about that experience. And he had a, st- a statement in there that just, I'll never forget, he said that um, hope keeps a person alive mm. within time. Mm. And I've always thought about that. Um, you know, 
they now know, proven mentally, that um, if I have a hopeful disposition and attitude towards life, that endorphins, I mean, it's just physically it has. Mm -hmm. And like Sarah was saying, you know, it's so easy to become despondent when I'm using God and, and just whatever hope is a transactional. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that we are so addicted to control yes. that that's how we have come to define hope. My, and we, we lose it. And sometimes in suffering, when I don't get what I hope for, yes. I actually get more than I ever would have gotten yes. had I gotten that. Yes. Because I become something mm. so much greater than I was before. And, you know, that's an old saying, but God, we, we pray that God will change our circumstances, but he doesn't. He uses our circumstances to change mm. us. And I do believe there's a reality that um, there is a learning in suffering that actually creates a hopefulness mm. that I call, again, intrinsic, mm. that, um, which is really what I want. And if you're ever a parent, you know, this, then you start, start really understanding, I don't want my kids to have everything that mm. they hope for. Yes. What I hope for is they become healthy, strong, yes. mentally, spiritually, so that they can stand up with, against what I know life is probably going to throw at them. Yeah. Well, I would imagine, too, that the core behind that control is fear. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, that, it's that terrifying fear that what if this... So there's the, there's the hope that this needs to happen. But then on, underneath that is a lot of fear if, if it doesn't. Right. And, and what I see in my own life, what I see with the people I work with, when our hope is dysfunctional and what we're pining for doesn't occur... We slip into despair, and that is a huge trigger mm. for us to move into what I call our shadows, mm. where we medicate and we turn to things, which is what Brene Brown says, the things that we go to to numb. Mm. And I think we're always being told, well, in America, when we live in a capitalistic, self-made society, yes. we don't quite know how to walk that line, that spiritual line of I'm of doing mm but also discerning. Mm. And so, so often, we see this all the time, I think is what kind of creates this, all this um, dissatisfaction or sometimes envy on Facebook when people are always posting their best selves and their accomplishments and their, because essentially what we're saying is, I did it, look at me, I did right. it. And we all have this sense of like, well, maybe I should be doing it too. You know, mm -hmm. I, I should start my own business. I should write my own book. I should, you know, <laughs> right. yeah, I yeah. should have a bajillion followers on Instagram. Yep. In the end though, we can, and I've seen this happen many times and I've had the temptation to do it too. You can push forward any thing you want to in life mm -hmm. of your own willpower. If you want to, yes. you push hard enough. Yeah. You'll get there. Yeah. And we in America celebrate that. Yes. We love it. Like, oh, look at this person. It came from nothing. And we pushed and we pushed and we pushed. But sometimes you stop and go, but is was that what was supposed to happen? Yeah. Or is that what we just wanted to yes. have happen? And yes. we made it happen. And I think we're spiritually always walking. We need to be walking that line of we have to do or nothing will get done in life. Yeah. But are we doing really what we're meant to do? Yep. What God hopes for us? Mm. Um, what is helping the world? 
and I, you know, I look at that through, I suppose, my own lens, but that's how, that's how spiritually I'm like, we don't often pause long enough to say, is this really like, what is the true motivation Mm. here? So I think our society sort of sets us up in many ways for circumstantial hope. Yes. Because we get this goal in mind and we're like, I'm going. Yeah. And we're like, do not distract me from yeah. this goal. Yeah. <laughs> this is my, but it's really just our want. We just really want it. Mm. Um, and I was going to ask you guys if if some of this isn't, that I was reading something the other day and it, the quote hit me right in the face and it says, what, what do you desire more than the peace of God? And what that was really revealing was, you know, the classic term idols, you know, there's a lot of, I heard that growing up, you know, money's an idol, sex is an idol, all that kind of stuff. But really what this was teaching was that it is something that you feel that if you're without, you're incomplete. It's essentially, it's the lack of wholeness. And I wonder if you guys are, have experienced this and are alluding to the fact that what we think we want isn't what we actually want. And it's more about being valued. It's about being loved. It's about belonging. And so we may think we want a relationship to work out. We may think that we want our job. But really at the core, there's some deeper longings that need to be addressed and asked for. When I can learn, to me, again, this is the spiritual journey. Um, Hope is the ultimate motivation. It's what makes me want to be alive. That's why I love that quote. It keeps a person alive within time. And remember, I, I think on maybe one of these podcasts, I mentioned uh, that I was reading Thomas Aquinas' arguments mm-hmm. that he wrote a thousand years ago on the validity of God. And his first argument, his main argument, was the argument of motion. And um, the guy that I was listening to talking about Aquinas' theory said that. Um, what Aquinas was saying is that nothing moves itself. There has to be an initial mover. Mm. And that mover, he believes, is God. Well, I believe that's the hope of God mm. that instills in, in each of us to keep persevering, to keep moving forward, even in the face of great suffering. And he goes on to say that that word that Aquinas used, I think, was the original word motion from Greek means any kind of change. He said from moving from potentiality to actuality. Um, And I just found that that's that's what we're hoping for, Mm. um, is that things, that's why people come to our groups, that things can be different. Mm. And what we have to learn is often, as Dr. Viktor Frankl says, circumstances are not going to change, Mm. but you can. Mm. And actually, you must. Mm. And that's what we point people towards. Um, And that is the hope. And I do want to make sure we make that clear. I really believe that you need to be in community Mm. to get the support and the encouragement and the empathy and compassion that you need for that hope to grow. Mm. Because it's not going to be an instant overnight thing Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden I'm going to... Because I really believe it's a paradigm. That's why I think they say that Christ is a paradigm because Christ is the ultimate hope. Mm. Always with you, always with you. And we are going to grow through this. And um, don't be afraid. And um, I just, but we are afraid and we are struggling and we are suffering. And so um, I just, I could talk all day long about hope. I really believe that is the center of our ministry, of what we do. 
Um, because we know that this hard work in this inner journey is the only place that that hope mm -hmm. is going to be truly found. Mm. Yeah, I think when you peel back, when we talk about the culture that we live in mm -hmm. and the things that we hope for, which really are just wants, I think what Scott's saying is when we really sit with people in their lives talking about the things that matter, when you peel back that top layer of, I want a nice house, I want a car, I want a good job, I want money, underneath for everyone you find the same real hope yes and the real hope is uh does my life have meaning mm -hmm. do i have purpose what am i what am i doing here am i valued am i loved do i belong does god care what i'm doing is god in the day today with me um and then the ultimate question is there more than this life is there more beyond this yes. i think those are all when we get down to it that's the real hope. Mm. Um, that's what gets us up in the morning yeah. is my life really, in a sense, everyone's looking for that mm. underneath all the superficial things. They're looking for the meaning and purpose and the reason I get out of bed every morning and who, who am I and do I make any difference? Does my life make any difference? Those are all the big questions, but those are all linked to hope. Yes. If you don't have any of those, if you really believe your life has no meaning, that is despair. Yes. Um, and that is when, unfortunately, we give up. But but that's what we're trying to rekindle in everybody is yeah. that that hope is always there. Yeah, and it's, a, it's literally an entirely different paradigm. I, I like that word because we're not talking about the traditional hope of make your wish list, you know, give it over to God and he's just going to come and bless your socks off. This is a different kind of thing. And I think that what I've also heard is, and what can also be an experience, maybe some of the listeners have experienced is when you get what you want, it's like there was, I can't remember if it was Oscar Wilde or someone said, you know, hell is not having what you want and then getting what you want in the same instance where I've heard songwriters who pined and worked for years on that number one and they got it. And the next morning they woke up and were just empty. And that's that's despair. So it's not despair just because you're not getting it. Sometimes that despair, I would imagine, comes when mm -hmm. you get it. You get the house, you get the relationship back, you wake up the next morning and you're still stuck with you and you're still like, right. wow, I thought that was going to, that's, so that's probably another level of despair. That is true. That is true. In fact, I remember watching a documentary not so long ago about people who had won the lottery. You've mm. probably, probably people have seen this one where, right, we all sort of secretly buy our lottery tickets yeah. and are like, maybe it's me this time. And every single one of those people regretted winning the lottery. Mm. Because it's not, it is, you think if I could just have everything, yeah. if I don't have to work, if I got all the money in the world, mm. I can do whatever I want. And then even them, they, you know, for them, it was not, yeah. that was not any more meaningful yeah. in the end. And it's not to me, that's something that's not like, don't judge yourself about this. Don't feel guilty about hoping for things. And I think that's a, a I really appreciate you saying that is, then we can say, oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to admit what I really want. So I'm going through this really difficult relationship transition or I'm really trying to get in a career. But, you know, I don't really know what I want. Instead of saying, no, I really want a caring and loving relationship. I really want a job that's meaningful. You, you can't deny that you still want that. So you bring that desire. But it sounds like what you're saying is, is you come to peace with that may look different <laughs> than you think it's going to look. So I think, you know, Sarah brings up a really key point and a key word 
I think we can unpack, and, and that hope is really around this, and that is desire. Mm. May, in his book, Addictions and Grace, begins his whole book centering on that desire is the greatest need of all human beings. He mm. goes, it's there, and we can ignore it, we can be distracted from it, but he goes, it's basically desire to be loved. Mm. That at the end of the day, no matter what, you know, some people equate it with meaning, purpose, but it's ultimately that I have value. It's, it's love. Mm. And so all those things that we were talking about, what I'm hoping for is that somehow if I get these things or have these things or things work out this way, or even if I get well, mm. you know, um, and we, we see a lot of people lately who are sick. Mm. And, um, and that's such a, I, if I could talk about this for a minute, um, we said, would you pray for me mm. or pray for this person that they would be well? Mm. And I know that that's what they're hoping for. Mm. And, um, and that always makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Yes, I, I'll pray for that. And I definitely I want them to get well. Yeah. But I know there's a great chance that they won't. Mm. So what I pray for what I, is that they'll have a hope mm. that will transcend whatever the circumstances are. Mm. Um, and that is so, so difficult um, because um, we want to live. Mm. We want life to work out a certain way. We want it to be but it's not going to be. Um, I think the longer that I live, and since I got sick, it's like, it's just, it's just a reality. It, it is hard, mm. and there's going to be suffering. So how do I have a hope that will stand strong with me in that? And I really believe if we go back and we look at the spiritual message of Christ and we look at the spiritual journey, um, we will find a different definition of hope. Mm. Mm. And um, but it's not one that sells, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think if we're honest, I mean, what Scott was talking about, of course, in our deepest desires, when someone, for example, when someone is sick, yeah, of course we want them to get well. Of course right. they want to get well. Um, but that is a great example of how we might get stuck in this sort of spiritual dilemma of. You know what? It, what if they don't? Then what? What does that mean yeah. in terms of our faith? In terms of our prayers? Uh, in terms of what God wants? And yes, it's. I too have now turned my prayers more towards God. Whatever this is about, mm. whatever you, whatever you want, whatever, however this is going to come out, just be in it. Yeah. Just show, you know, show whether it's me or someone else. Just show them what this is all about in some way because I think that's the other thing our brains want to make sense of it mm. which is why I think we narrow yeah. that hope so we can control yes. or make sense and just say oh I know how life works yeah I I prayed and I got this mm -hmm. now I know how this works mm -hmm. but the truth is we almost never know how it works yeah and suffering scares us I think I think we spend so much of our time trying to avoid it mm -hmm. because the uncertainty of suffering scares yes. us to death. Yes. It's, it, it hit me one day in my forties. I can't remember exactly when, but it was a sort of existential crisis of there is nothing that stands between me and suffering. Mm. There's nothing that stands between me and getting sick or my kids getting sick 
or my husband dying in a car accident. There's nothing. I can't prevent any of it. I can't predict it. There's literally no veil. And I think I maybe spent a lot of time in in my younger years spiritually thinking I could keep yes. some barrier through your efforts, through my yes. efforts, mm-hmm. through my faith, yeah. some barrier between me and that suffering. Yeah. And then one day it just hits you. You can't. Yeah. And I think that is the definition of an existential crisis where yes. you go, what is, well then what is all this about? Yes. You know, what am I doing here? Yeah. And this life it's like, ah, but I, I think that is where you dive. You have to take the deep dive into real hope. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise you will despair. You almost have to move into meaninglessness yes, to, in order to, to make sense, to find meaning. I completely identify yes. with that. And I want to hit on this, Scott, um, real quick on, I'll, I want to close out with this question. Um, and then I want to get your thoughts on what um, Sarah just said, but this is really, really important takeaway is that growth is not linear and that the process of change goes from managing the crisis to a deeper transformation. So so we're not moving into an outcome. That, that I'm not going through this so that I can get on the other side of this and have a new thing. It is the process of the deeper transformation. Yeah. The transformation is the new thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. What, I, what they say is that in, in transformation, it's not that I'm being delivered from the pain, I'm being delivered in the pain. Mm. And I was going to say what, what Sarah was saying is that if we really want to get to the center of hope and we're looking at the really big question, why am I here? Where am I going? Mm. Why is it, this, you know, and I, in reality is I cannot control hardly anything. Mm. And um, I was listening to Richard Rohr one day talk about, um, he says that, um, you know, if we start from bad, he says it's almost impossible ever to get back to good. Mm. But if we start from good, no matter how bad things get, we can find our way back. Mm. And I think that what ultimately in a spiritual journey is that can I see and find that there is a goodness that is beneath everything, mm. even suffering, mm. even tragedy, even the evil that exists, you know, because everything is imperfect mm. in, in the world. Um, and finding a hope that will sustain me yeah. in the midst of that, I think you have to come down to that. And that is a spiritual journey, mm. coming down to how I answer that question. Is there a good, is there a permanent good mm. that is beyond what I can really even understand and be able to come to peace with that? Um, if I can, and I believe that's there to start, then I think that we can begin to find a hope that will be intrinsic. Mm. And yeah, the only thing I was going to ask is if someone is finding themselves in despair right now, which is a common, and <laughs> we don't talk about it. Yeah. It's very common. There's more than likely many listeners who will listen to this and find themselves in despair, whether they're aware of it or not. It, what, are, what, are, what is something that you, would, that you would be able to offer up to them in that moment? Because when you get in despair you move so far inside your own mind that you it's, it's hard. It's hard. It almost feels um, hard to open your heart and hope again. So what would you say to someone who really is in that despair, whether they are wishing for something that's not happening or they got something and it's not working, what would be something that you would offer? Obviously get into a, 
a small group. Uh, obviously, that's that's why we're having this podcast. But what what may be a step between where they are and getting into that small group that they could start applying now? Well, you've you've got to find a community. You've yeah. got to find what we would call again that sacred space. Because um, if you're in isolation with that, if you're disconnected, um, because what you're describing is a paradigm. When despair becomes permanent, that is a paradigm. That's the lens I'm seeing everything through, and it is the most dark place that we can be. Mm-hmm. And so getting into a community, getting to a space where I can really talk about that, I can begin to see myself and see my story differently, mm-hmm. which is huge. Yeah, and it comes from showing up and, and, and having someone affirm in you something, maybe we do pull each other out. You know, there's been times where I I have a close friend and we go back and forth every other day on how are you and what's going on with you. And there's nothing that there's no, there's not enough of meditation. There's not enough inner work. There's not enough book reading that that is like a rocket ship for me to immediately be like, Oh, there's hope again, you know, and it just came from someone else talking to me and being in that and reminding me of their own experience. So I'm not alone. So Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. How about you, Sarah? Yeah, I would say because I've been, I've had those moments. Yeah. I've been in those places. I think the lie that we're told somehow in our head is that our we don't matter to anyone. Mm-hmm. That our non-existence makes no difference. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in places like that, mentally thinking maybe everyone actually would be better off without me because mm-hmm. I am a, I'm just a pain. Like I'm, I'm difficult. I'm emotional. I don't know what to do. Mm. And remembering, always remembering that we live, you know, we're like ripples in a pond. Like we, we do matter. Our lives affect more lives than we understand. Mm. And uh, sometimes it's not, you know, not till we reach that point that we start to maybe come to that realization that, um, or if you've ever lost someone, you realize you, you know, how much that ripple extends out. Mm. Um, so that's always my hope is that someone who is feeling that, that down, that disconnected Mm -hmm. will remember they are part of a community. They do matter. They're here for a reason. And, and that we all have something we're here to accomplish, maybe multiple things we're here to accomplish. And we are the only ones who can do it. I tend to discount that also in myself, but you, we are unique human beings. And so whatever we're accomplishing, we're the only ones who can accomplish it in that way. Mm. So we're here for a reason and it's, but I get it. Sometimes we lose sight of that just yeah. in all the mess of the world. We lose sight of it. Yeah. I think there's just one more key point that, that I, I wanted to share that I just now was thinking about, which has a huge uh, influence on despair and feeling hopeless. And that's shame. Um, because shame speaks to us in an absolute voice. It's, it's definitive. Mm. So if I've made mistakes or if I have weakness, if I have flaws and the shame is toxic, then I'm beyond hope. Mm. And I think I see that with a lot of people. And that was always a struggle for me is I'm, who can ever rescue me from, from me? Mm. You know? And so I withdraw. Shame drives me away. And, and shame actually fuels fear, mm. as Thompson says. Um, and, and to me, it fuels hopelessness um, because it's not that you won't love me. It's that I'm not lovable. Mm. It's not that I made a mistake. 
it's that I am a mistake. Mm-hmm. And those are hopeless statements. Yes. Yeah. And paradigms and something that, um, you know, by, by showing up to group and that being the first thing. The, I love that that's, otherwise, why are you there, right? It's kind of like, you know, there's all these people that talk about growth processes and everything else. But like, I love that it starts with hope because why else would we even be here in the first place if there wasn't some underlying hope that, you know, I can learn something from you. And what's beautiful about this process is when you go through something, you think you're the only one that's ever been through it. But then you get this massive empathy that comes and this massive strength that you can then give to someone else that is also going through something difficult. So it's never without. It's always adding. Well, guys, thank you so much. And, um, you know, if you're out there and you're in this position, I hope that you know that you're not alone and that we're here for you. And um, we just hope you enjoyed this. Well, we love you guys and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Restore Small Groups is a nonprofit based in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more, visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org.